0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast from hell. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Jerry's over there, so that makes the Stuff You Should Know, the podcast, special Halloween bonus episode, 2016, (laughs) the sequel.
0: I think we've called this something different every year, from Spooktober to mm. uh, Spooktacular. Spectacular. Yeah, that, that was a good one. Uh, I think you're going to probably title this one, so I just—I can't wait to see
1: myself. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to give it some real thought. How about Live from Hell? <laughs> from Hell. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> um, you feeling good about this one?
0: I always feel good. I've got my, uh, my traditional Halloween hot toddy.
1: Oh, nice. Made with candy corn sprinkled on
0: top? Candy corn and (laughs) corn whiskey. It goes well together. Oh, man. (laughs) Heat it up? Yeah, you heat it up with some, uh, with some margarine. Oh, man, you're making me cry
1: here. Some pine nuts. (laughs) It's delicious. Straight out of a Georgia mom's kitchen. (laughs) I wish. Man, you would get arrested if you tried to give that out to trick-or-treaters. Yeah. Rightfully. Yeah. So, Chuck, uh, we have, as we usually do, this is a this is a special bonus episode. It's an extra episode. Yeah. So it can come out on Halloween. It's beautiful. It's a gift from us, I guess you could say, <laughs> as we do every year. And um, what we like to do is read um, a couple of short stories, scary stories classic horror fiction usually but this year um, we're doing something different um, we're doing something contemporary like you like your story last year um, and the the other little um, land yap to that is that this year's first story comes from the grabster
0: yeah the great ed grabinowski who has uh, written many many of the house of works articles over the years that we've based our episodes on and mm-hmm. we've met ed he's uh he's in buffalo right yeah he's in buffalo and he wrote a great story and i just want to warn i feel like we need to warn this year yeah parents this one is pretty legit scary yeah and creepy so you know maybe you might want to listen before you round your kids around the uh the fire
1: <laughs> to enjoy a halloween hot toddy yeah <laughs> it's pretty, Which- pretty good one Again, I think the Department of Family and Children's Services should come to your house if you're giving your kids <laughs> Halloween hot toddies.
0: Yes, and just as a preview, too, after this, we did something else a little different. Um, we sourced some two-sentence horror stories from mm-hmm. listeners the other day, and uh, it was a thing that I found is a thing, like the two-sentence story. How creative can you be? Right. How creepy can you be in two sentences? And we picked out 20 of the best ones, and so big thanks already to everyone who uh, contributed, and sorry to the ones who did not get picked, because uh, a lot of more jokes. <laughs> All right, we appreciated those. Yeah, but we tried to keep it real and creepy.
1: Yeah, like we want to scare the pants off of people this Halloween.
0: Yeah, so that, that's uh, that's the plan for the next uh, what forty minutes? Something like that. Probably not even.
1: Yeah, around there. We, we make no time promises. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, uh, without further ado, we're going to start with the first story by Ed Grabanowski. It's called Extraneous Invocat. None of these little incidents meant anything to me at first. I drew no connections. It started in the middle of a fall afternoon, sunny and crisp. We were packing up the apartment to move. After two years in the same tiny space, we were making a little more money and moving to a slightly nicer neighborhood. The living room was a maze of cardboard boxes, stacked and taped and labeled, or hanging open, half filled with the bits and pieces of life we'd collected over our few years together. I walked in from one of the two bedrooms with an armload of winter scarves and hats. Should we keep these out, or do you think we'll manage to find them before it gets too cold out? I looked at Laura, who was bent over a box with her back to me. Sun shone through the wide front windows onto her long, dark hair. She shuddered then. Not a physical shudder, not like a seizure. More like the twitch you see when the film is about to break at a movie theater. She flickered. I blinked, thinking something was in my eye, but she was silent and oddly still, crouching low over the box. Then I noticed her hair. Just a second ago, it had been swept sleekly across her neck and shoulders, soft and curled, but now it hung in thick, wet strings, hiding her face from my view entirely. It was all so strange and happened so quickly, I don't really remember what I was thinking. Mostly, I was mildly irritated that she hadn't answered my question, but a numbness crept up my spine as I realized something was not right. "'Laura?' louder this time." Perhaps she moved slightly, I wasn't sure, but she remained silent, and my vague feelings of strangeness escalated quickly. A note of panic crept into my voice. Is something wrong? She let out a sound that I hesitate even to think about. The closest I can come to describing it is a sort of clicking sigh. At that moment, she shuddered, twitched again, and it seemed as though the room brightened. Without realizing there had been a change, I saw that her hair looked as it had before, and she was busily wrapping glasses in tissue paper and lining them up in a cardboard carton. My rising wave of dread crested then, and when I called her name again, she mistook the note of urgency for anger. She turned, frowning, and snapped. What? I think I just stood there blinking stupidly at her for a moment, and already my mind had rejected the entire experience. I, uh... I just zoned out there for a minute. Sorry, I said. Should we pack these?
0: A few days later, I called her at work. One of the other women in the office answered. No, Laura wasn't in. Yes, she was a little late coming back from lunch. No, they didn't know where she'd gone. She didn't usually leave the office for lunch, and she was hardly ever late for anything. But I didn't think twice about it at the time. Later that week, I happened to thumb through a local newspaper, and a small article in the city news section caught my eye. Witness claims stranger walks downtown streets. <laughs> a homeless man was attacked on the city's west side yesterday afternoon, although police are having trouble getting a description of the attacker. Hale Thomas Donovan, 52, of no permanent address, reported the attack at one thirty p.m. after passersby found him huddled on Dearborn Street near the Cray Island Railroad Bridge. He was yelling incoherently and was, quote, visibly terrified, end quote. According to the police report, he was treated for trauma and released from Sisters of Mercy Medical Center, although witnesses believe the man was not physically injured. In his statement to police, Donovan only said that he, quote, met a stranger, end quote, under the bridge. Police confirmed that they received two other reports that day of a, quote, strange person, end quote, on the city's west side. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Thank you.
1: The apartment was mostly packed up at that point. We were living on frozen pizza eaten off of paper plates for the next few days. Every night we went to bed exhausted from packing and lugging boxes around. That night, I read in bed for a short while as Laura fell asleep beside me. She lay on her side, her back to me. When I set down my book and turned out the light, I leaned forward to kiss her goodnight. She made a soft, happy sound and snuggled back into me briefly. I was soon as sound asleep as she was. When I awoke, I had no idea what time it was. Our alarm clock had long since been packed, and Laura was using her watch alarm to wake up for work in the morning. It was still extremely dark, the only light of feeble blue glow from the streetlight outside filtered through shade and curtains. Guessing it was about 3 a.m., I stretched sleep-stiff muscles and turned over to face Laura. She still had her back to me, sound asleep on her side. In the dim light, I could see the slow, shallow rising and falling of her breath. I reached out to gently stroke her hair until I fell back asleep. It was ice cold and soaking wet. Oh, boy. I froze in place, my body instantly rigid as the memory of the afternoon packing incident flooded me with terror. My throat was tight and dry, adrenaline surging through me as I tried to keep my hand still, plotting how to withdraw without letting her know I was awake. I pulled my hand from that clammy mass as slowly as I could, fighting the urge to recoil in a panic, My fingers were tingling from fear and another, stronger numbness that spread down my arm as I tried to pull it back beneath the cover silently. Just then she made that chittering sound again. This time I realized what it was. She was laughing. I pressed myself hard against the wall on my side of the bed, heart slamming and skittering, arms pressed tight to my sides. My eyes were wide open, glaring into the darkness, watching the shape in the bed beside me for any kind of movement. I didn't know what was lying less than two feet from me. I remained that way, rigid with terror, for quite some time. I didn't sleep. I don't think I even blinked. I never noticed a change, but at some point I heard a soft snoring, a familiar Laura sound. I relaxed somewhat, but a few minutes later, when she stirred and rolled over, my every muscle pulled taut with apprehension. But it was just Laura, peaceful in sleep. My fear ebbed away, and in the absence of adrenaline, my eyes refused to stay open. Although I slept soundly, I woke with stiff, sore muscles. My shoulders ached, and I remembered vaguely that I'd dreamt of being chased through my childhood neighborhood, desperately hopping fences and cutting through yards to escape some unseen pursuer. Laura came back into the bedroom just before she left for work. She looked down at me with a look of concern. "'Did you sleep okay?' she asked. "'You look pale.' She reached out a hand to touch my cheek, and I flinched. Looking confused and hurt, Laura stepped back. "'What?' She smelled the sleeve of her shirt. Do I smell bad? What's wrong? The unconscious jolt of fear brought the previous night's encounter back to the forefront of my mind, but already the defensive mechanisms of the human psyche were at work, diffusing the memory as I convinced myself it was part of my dream. No, it's not you. I think I was having a nightmare when I woke up, and I'm still a little foggy. She gave a half-smile and leaned down to kiss me goodbye. I reached up to give her a quick hug, feeling the warmth of her body and her soft skin against my face, and she was gone.
0: All right, bad things are happening in this relationship.
1: Starting to pick up, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's uh, every man's worst nightmare. The wife becomes a shape-shifting ghoul.
1: Right, with wet hair.
0: That you can't get your hand out of.
1: They don't call Ed the Grabster, comma Master of Terror <laughs> for nothing.
0: All right, here we go. That night, Laura left for a two-day conference in Memphis. I dropped her off at the airport and got back to the apartment around nine at night. There wasn't much to do since most of the packing was finished, and we were just waiting for the occupants of our new apartment to move out. I had a TV and a couch. Everything else was sealed in boxes. I ordered a pizza and settled in to watch a baseball game. At about 1 a.m., I woke up with a stiff neck. I'd fallen asleep at an odd angle on the couch. The game was long over. An infomercial bathed the room in flickering bluish light, but I turned the volume very low so I couldn't hear what they were selling. Some kind of exercise equipment. It wasn't the infomercial or sore neck that awakened me, however. It was the early autumn chill that pervaded the apartment. Puzzled and still groggy, I sat up and realized that the door to the apartment was open. Not good. No. At that moment, I also noticed a foul odor, like rotted meat. Very bad. (laughs)
1: yeah who wants that
0: I walked to the door seeing that the outer door was also hanging ajar it was gusty out and the night air was blowing straight down the hall I closed both doors certain that I hadn't forgotten to latch them shut earlier but I could come up with no other explanation neither could I find any source for the smell which was fading quickly there was literally no other food in the house and the garbage was outside in the dumpster my 2am sleuthing skills exhausted I gave up and went to bed The night's sleep was uneventful.
1: Maybe he farted. (laughs) I think that's the subtext of the whole story. I think so. They were both just farting on each other. (laughs) On Saturday morning, I picked Laura up at the airport. That night was to be our last at the apartment, but we were still in limbo. Everything packed, nothing to do but wait. Even the cable had been shut off. We spent the afternoon and evening seeing a movie and having dinner at a nearby restaurant. The televisions over the bar, usually tuned to a ball game, were buzzing with news about a recent murder. An old woman had been found mutilated in her home. They kept showing footage of a man in a suit, a detective, I guess, walking out of the house with his hand over his mouth, his eyes wide with shock. Our spirits were subdued when we got back home, and before long we went to bed. That night, that unbearable, unthinkable night started out much like before. Something woke me in the deepest hours. I had no sense of time, but it was very dark. I immediately knew something was wrong. I'd been having tense and disturbing dreams, partly from the news stories about the murder. Faceless men in suits knocking at my door, walking around the house, peering into the windows. But something other than a nightmare was contributing to my malaise. She made the sound, that laughter, that hideous, mind-wrenching sound no human could make. My body went numb with terror, and I gasped out loud. Again, I shrunk to the far wall, pressed against it, my eyes frantically scanning the blackness for movement. I couldn't imagine passing another night like that, straining to hear, praying that nothing happened. But I felt the bed shift. A gout of cold air, reeking of rot, bathed my face. The shape in the bed beside me rolled over. Ooh. Yeah, he's, this guy's good. Yeah if i live for a thousand years i will never forget that face it was my wife's face but corrupted as though my wife was being worn by something that was not the same shape as her the mouth was stretched in a wide rictus literally from ear to ear an inner set of black oily lips curled back in a manic smile uncovering a row of impossibly large teeth i could see things caught in those teeth The eyes were huge, glistening black, no iris or pupil. The nose was distorted in a thin, ridge bone with narrow slits. The scalp and hair seemed to hang loosely, as if partially detached from the skull beneath, and yet the mottled gray skin of the thin neck disappeared into my wife's pale blue nightshirt. It was an obscenity. It crawled across the bed toward me, unnaturally agile. Those eyes widened, the grin somehow stretching, the jaw working at a bizarre speed. Still that sound issued from its throat. I tried to scream, but my throat was clenched in terror. A hand gripped my shoulder, terrifyingly strong and cold as ice. Its face was inches from mine now, the mouth opening wide, it screamed There was a shrill, screeching roar of deafening volume, so loud it made my eyes hurt. As it screamed it shook violently. Cold, wet hair flailed and fell in thick ropes across the face, but the cold black eyes stayed focused on mine.
0: Boy, Ed really paints a picture.
1: It's going to take a lot of uh, <laughs> corn whiskey and candy corn to wipe this one from everybody's mind. Wow! But we can try, can't we? We we met Ed's was it wife or girlfriend?
0: A uh, wife, lovely woman. Yes. Good good luck to you. She's like, my
1: hair's totally dry (laughs) and of a normal temperature. And my husband's crazy.
0: (laughs) Crazy talented. All right, here we go. When I awoke, the room was flooded with sun. I have no idea what happened. I can only assume that I passed out from sheer terror. Laura was already up showering. I went to the other bathroom to wash a strange chemical taste out of my mouth. In the mirror, I noticed that thin trails of blood had seeped from the corners of my eyes then dried somehow i got through that day i stayed busy with loading the moving van unloading at the new apartment unpacking i avoided laura i didn't know what to think or what to do i finally convinced myself that whatever had happened was probably related to the apartment itself since we were moving i was escaping whatever it was but i woke up in the middle of the night again We were sleeping on the mattress on the floor, surrounded by boxes. My heart was slamming in my chest as I looked at Laura. She seemed to be sleeping peacefully, lying on her side, facing away from me. That made it even more of a shock when I heard the sound. The laughter again. It seemed so loud, though. I tried to get up, get out of bed, and away, but I could not move my limbs. The clicking laugh sound came again, but this time I felt it. I felt it come from my own throat. Uh. My limbs began moving then, but I was not in control. I was a passenger. I put my hand on Laura's shoulder, squeezing hard. It was my hand, but not my hand. Gray-skinned and clawed. It woke her up. Hey, ow! As she rolled over and I began to pull at her shoulder, opened her eyes and screamed just as her arm tore free. I could see clearly her eyes had gone glassy with terror and pain and her scream was soon cut short. I can only hope she went into shock before most of what came next. I was not in control, but I watched it all happen.
1: Wow. The end. All right. That is extraneous invocat by the great Ed Grabanowski. I have
0: uh, chill bumps literally on my arms.
1: Yeah, that's. I wonder what that thing's going to do with the rest of its day.
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) What comes after that? By the way, uh, Mr. Uh, Protagonist, it's not the apartment.
1: Right, yeah, that was wishful thinking. This is moving
0: with you to the new apartment.
1: He's like, it's uh, it's fine. The the pure dark (laughs) evil will just stay behind in this apartment for the next tenant to deal with. I'm sure it's just this crappy studio. This two-bedroom we're moving into will be great. (laughs) Right. And what is the spear that uh, stabbed Jesus Christ in the ribs doing under the bed?
0: <laughs> so, by the way, uh, we're going to get into our two-sentence horror stories, but something jumped out at me. If if you're into this two-sentence thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: an inner set of black, oily lips curled back in a manic smile, uncovering a row of impossibly large teeth, I could see things caught in those teeth. That's yeah. how you do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it might even be unfair to be like Grabster. You got a two sentence,
0: yeah, story. He'd say, "Pick out any two sentences of anything <laughs> right.
1: ever, ever written <laughs> and light a cigar." <laughs> oh wow, boy, that was a good one. That was a good one, man. I'm pretty pretty psyched we used that one. Chuck, D- does he have a lot of these? Yeah, he's a he's a one of the things he does is write horror. Oh
0: well, he might just become our guy next year. I'm gonna. I'm not sure if it's going to work, but I found out that Stephen King. Has something called his dollar babies. Have you heard of this? No. He has a list of stories, short stories, like probably 20 of them on his website called his dollar babies that have Mm -hmm. not ever been optioned for anything. Mm -hmm. And if you submit and it, it, you know, apparently it takes like a month to get, uh, responded to. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have time, but, um, if you submit and say like, Hey, I'm a student filmmaker. I'd like to make this as a project. Um, he'll say, fine, give me a dollar and have at it. That's awesome. So I might see if we can uh, do a, a legit Stephen King one uh, next year for a buck.
1: That is really cool, man.
0: And uh, we'll see. That's just neat that he does that now. Yeah. Dollar
1: babies. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What? Is, it's like Weird Al Yankovic tweeting the phone number of the payphone he's standing by. <laughs> you know, it's along the same vein. When did he do that? In the 80s? No, no, not too long ago he he tweeted it, and then uh, whoever called first, he just sat and talked to us for like twenty minutes while he was waiting for a flight. That's pretty cool, yeah, he's a cool guy. If there's one thing that everybody knows about weird al, it's that he is deeply cool,
0: yeah, all right, so uh like we said, we're gonna finish up today with twenty uh two sentence stories that people sent in, and we appreciate the creativity these are uh we're probably gonna. Critique them as we go, because we're us. <laughs> sure. But uh, I think everyone left a name for the most part and where they were from. But um,
1: Some were some uh, abbreviated. Yeah, sure. Some have the pronunciation even.
0: Yeah, and we tried to, I read a bunch of these on subreddits, and I tried to weed out the ones that were uh, plagiarized. Mm-hmm. Um, so if any of these turn out to be plagiarized, then shame on you, and I'm sorry to the original authors.
1: Yeah, nice, Chuck. How's that? That's pretty good. A little shaming, yeah, pre-shaming. <laughs> uh, and I believe you've <laughs> not been found out yet. But shame on you.
0: So I believe we're also going to have a little creepy uh, bed of ambient sounds here as well.
1: If there's one thing Jerry does, it's it's horror.
0: Yeah, I see her in the corner, and now she's cranking up the ambient horror sound.
1: <laughs> right? There's a monkey with the symbols, <laughs> but it's a real monkey, but yeah. it's dead. It's weird.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, all right, you can go ahead and take the first one there. Okay. This one comes from Jamie Clark, no relation as far as I know, from only Texas. Not related to that town either. Jenny walked into her home to see flowers on the dinner table with the note, I love to watch you sleep. She called to thank her husband, but was interrupted by the masked man's reflection in the base.
0: Pretty good. Boom! I just thought it was creepy enough that her husband would say, "I love to watch you sleep." <laughs>
1: yeah, apparently they're into that kind of thing. Though that's they've got that, and um, they're like a whole fetish of pretending you're sleeping or dead, I'm and sure. then like you're revived by the person who you're having conjugation with.
0: I'm sure that's a thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> conjugation <laughs>
0: fetish is what it's called. All right, this one is from uh, Canum Truax or Trual. <laughs> Traw. Truax, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Truax, that's a great name. Canum Trua. and this one's uh, is, is wonderful because it's nice and concise. Only part of my wife came back. I wish I hadn't stopped payment on the check.
1: Boom. Not bad. A lot of violence against women in horror. Have you ever noticed that?
0: Uh, yeah, it's a Sad. thing. Don't Sad support but it. True.
1: Yeah, let's let's kill some husbands. How about it? <laughs> right. You ready? Sure. This one comes from Murph, our buddy. Tyler Murphy from Rapid City, South Dakota. Murph. A great guy, by the way, who we also met at the Denver show. Yeah, he gave me a ride home from the Denver show. Man. Drove me all the way to Atlanta. (laughs) And then (laughs) took a left and went up to South Dakota. Okay, you ready for Murph's? Yeah. As I sat there feasting upon my freshly made ham sandwich, it struck me as odd that I had no other name for it. I mean, it tastes like ham, but by what other name would I refer to the flesh of my mother? <laughs> woman. Violence against woman. That's right. Tyler Murphy, schoolteacher.
0: <laughs> right. put, put, put golf worker.
1: For now. <laughs>
0: All right. The, this one is from Sophie Court in Waterford, Ireland. Uh, and here we go, Sophie. She's been sitting in the same spot for three years. I dress her up and we mourn her anniversary together.
1: Nice. Ooh. So so far, that one's my favorite. It's pretty good. All of them have been great. You did a good job curating these. That, one, that one's a good one. I appreciate that. Well, I didn't write it. Sophie appreciates that. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Donovan Stone from Sydney, Australia, but he uh, includes the caveat that he wrote this while on holiday in Kyoto. And then we should yeah. add the caveat that holiday means vacation.
0: Right. And that on holiday means hopped up on sake in Tokyo or I'm sorry <laughs> right. Kyoto
1: Kyoto sake and tofu you ready yep Mum, what's that noise your mother's not coming home the voice replied thought of that on vacation man yeah dark days demented
0: all right this one is from Scott W of unknown origin
1: who may or may not exist frankly
0: yeah the creepy clown eagerly fulfilled my request to make me a balloon animal. Then suddenly, his face broadened with a sinister grin, and in a swift motion, his razor-like teeth burst my latex skin. Nice. You scary. are the balloon animal.
1: Right. He, he he managed to insert a joke in there, but it remains scary still. Oh, what was the joke? That, yeah, he... he, he wanted to be made made a balloon animal and it made him into a balloon balloon animal find that funny that's jokey sure (laughs) okay okay this one comes from Ramey Fights from Indiana great name nowhere in particular in Indiana just Indiana they are reproducing faster than anticipated with teeth fully formed unusual indeed great one yeah Yeah.
0: sounds like a lab notebook Mm -hmm. alright this is from Mary Abel in Houston Texas I woke with a start, and my eyes scanned the room for the source of the crash. A man crouched in the corner, and although his mouth was stitched closed, I clearly heard him hiss. Run. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Indeed. That was good good uh, voice acting, too, Chuck. Appreciate that. This one is from Krista Corivo. We got the pronunciation included. From Montreal, Quebec, Canada currently occupied (laughs) kneeling on the platform before my family and friends i heard the sound of the guillotine descending and i closed my eyes bracing for impact i feel no pain and am relieved there was a malfunction however as i breathe a sigh of relief i slowly open my eyes and see the bloody stump of a neck where my head used to be that one art podcast on that sure very topic what was it? Uh, do you stay conscious after decapitation? Yeah, apparently Krista thinks so. A lot of commas in that one. Yeah. Managed to extend it quite a bit. That's right. Way to go, Krista.
0: All right, this is from Andrew Butler of Unknown Origin. I'm so sorry, he said as he released pressure from her neck wound. Thanks to the blood loss, she was gone before the stake entered her heart.
1: I like how you made him sound almost um sarcastic. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm up. This is from Thomas Berdino from Hutchinson, Kansas. After singing Happy Birthday, I told my five-year-old daughter to blow out the candles and make a wish. She sat frozen unblinking as she stared emotionlessly at the candle flames. and Finally, she whispered, I wish for gasoline. I Ooh. like that
0: kid. Oh, you do? Sure. Firestarter. All right, Lauren Hellman from Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. Nice. Her eyes fluttered and the smell of earth pulled her further into consciousness. A scream welled in her throat as she realized that her arms were pinned beside her in the blackness and the air would
1: not last. Man. Nothing like a good buried alive story. Nope. And it was a her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that one. Do you ever see that, um... They remade Alfred Hitchcock Presents in the 80s. Did you watch it? No. Oh, man. There was... It was great. It was fantastic, right? And one of the ones that I remember more than any other was a, was one where this um, these two prisoners uh, had this deal where one of them would pretend like he was dead. Uh, no... He was going to climb into the casket of a dead prisoner. That's a great idea. Get get transferred out of the prison, buried, and then the other prisoner who was in charge of like I guess yard keeping or whatever would come dig him up like a half hour later, and then he would be set free, right? Uh Well, they the plan goes according to everything's going according to plan. The guy crawls into the um the casket and uh, encloses it, and then he gets buried, and he's got like one match or something, and when he. Lights the match. He sees that he's in the casket with the man who's supposed to dig him up. Yeah. Love it.
0: That old trick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, now you're up.
1: I think I just used a turn with that anecdote, don't you? No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. This one's from uh, Dan Lewisell from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Joan's heart was still racing, but as she jolted back to consciousness, she became aware that her feeling of sickening dread of trying to get away from an evil, unseen force was nothing but a terrible dream. She was relieved for a full second before she realized the sound that jarred her awake was the sound a car makes as it breaks through a rickety guardrail before she drove off the side of the cliff. Sleep driving. Quite a twist. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. I didn't either.
0: Well, Thelma and Louise action.
1: I've never seen that movie. Is it good?
0: Yeah, it's terrific.
1: Okay, I'll check it out.
0: Talk about ahead of its time. Sure. It's a feminist fantasy. Nice. Alright. Moving on. Uh this is from oh, this is from Hilary Lozar. Our buddy uh Lowe's in Montana. Oh yeah. Of the Flathead Lake Cheese Lozes. Man. The cheese. And the and the Mike Lozars.
1: hmm The fine, whole
0: Lozar clan. Fine people. Also a teacher with a dark side. Nice. Here we go. With a horrible feeling of dread and a wretched, lighthearted tinkling sound, I fumbled for what seemed to be an eternity, finally dropping the primitive key I'd worked so hard for weeks to fabricate, outside my cell door to be snatched and dragged down the drain by the hordes of rats waiting below. My execution is tomorrow at dawn. Damn. Bit of a run-on, Lowe's, but well-crafted.
1: Plus, I appreciated her word, uh, tinkling. Yeah, yeah. Gets the brain going. Sure does. That's uh, one of those words that does that. Did you know that?
0: Oh, that like literally has an effect on your brain?
1: Well, in my opinion. Oh, okay. This is from Brian Coe of Lake Stevens, Washington. The monster hunter stared in shock as the swarm of ghouls raced past him, each bearing a look of horror. As they vanished into the murky night, he slowly turned to face what had terrified them.
0: I like that one. Yeah, that's good stuff. The scary things are scared of something else.
1: Yeah, that's that's not good. Not good. That's not one of those situations where the enemy of your enemy is your friend. I think it's your toast <laughs> is the ultimate outcome. You
0: know what my brother used to do to me? We always what? hear great stories about Scott. This was how he tormented me. I think he still does this occasionally when he remembers. I would be like, our bedrooms were upstairs. We had a Jack and Jill scene up there. Mm-hmm. And, um... When I, you know, Jack and Jill bathroom, bedroom
1: situation. Right, right. But the scene. uh, Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, And I would, uh, when I would be going up the stairs, he would like be at the top of the stairs and he would look in horror at something behind me. (laughs) And I would bolt so fast up the stairs, scared out of my mind, and I wouldn't even look back. And uh, he did that to me a lot.
1: And you never caught on, huh? Or you just weren't willing to take the risk? No. One time it was, I was true? I was a kid.
0: It scared me. That's hilarious.
1: Man. Man, Scott is the bomb. Yeah.
0: It makes you like him even more. <laughs> uh, where are we here?
1: Matt Saylor. All right. Salyer.
0: Is it mine? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, Matt Salier from Southwest Kansas. <laughs> Doesn't matter where you are in Southwest <laughs> Kansas. It's all the same.
1: One giant town.
0: They get it wrong, you know. The greatest trick I, the devil, ever really pulled was convincing the world that God exists. The undulating amoeba of despair and madness made what amounted to a cackle before it reached forward and I succumbed to the dark.
1: Nice. Okay, I'm up, I'm up. This is Taylor from Iowa. As generic as it comes. Uh, it wasn't the fact that he ate the meat that surprised Harold, who knew that any other man would, upon finding himself in such a sorry state of affairs, also find himself thusly tempted. No, it was the fact that he enjoyed it that surprised him that moonless winter night behind the medical lab. Yeah. That's where you get meat if you're a sicko. Uh,
0: Jess G in Pittsburgh. And I think Pittsburgh had a... I uh, deleted it, but it had an exclamation point even. <laughs> you deleted it? It's from Pittsburgh. <laughs> thought it might ruin the vibe, but we've already done that. Oh, yeah, long ago. All right, here we go. It didn't matter how fast or how far he ran, he always woke up in the same place, in the same skin, and the same
1: nightmare. Mm-hmm. Good one, It's yes. appropriately vague. Nice. Uh, this is from Jacob Riley Graves. Who is either an author or a serial killer. From Wellsville, New York. Another day, my pockmarked teenage face behind a faint blue monitor, reveling in the joys of the internet, safe and unaffected. In my periphery, the wall warps and lets out a pain scream. My sense of reality is torn asunder, and I am broken. That's a good. Cle- Clever use of colons there instead of periods. <laughs> it's like, don't put a period, just put another dot ahead of it, and it's not a period. That was good. I like it. Yeah. Way to
0: go, Jr. All right. We're going to wrap it up here with Michael McGuire in Northampton, Massachusetts. Every year on the day, the whole town would gather to hear the song in the well. And every year on the day, the song would grow shorter, the girl's voice fainter.
1: Boom! Uh, Sad. That is an amazing two-sentence story. I think Michael McGuire... Did you purposely end... With no. what is arguably the best of all. That was rando. That was really good. Nice choice.
0: Yeah, very sad, too. And uh, I agree with you, Josh. Too many women and girls getting punished here. Let's, yeah. let's work on that and um, start cutting off arms of men.
1: Oh Yeah, it's true. The thing is, though, is, and I mean, like, it, it is a, a recurring theme in horror, violence against women. Yeah. Um, usually, though, you can make the case that it is only a woman that survives any given horror movie, too. True. You know? Yeah. Look what happened to Kevin Bacon. Skewered. True. And what was that? Friday the 13th Part 3? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And let's not even talk about what they do in minorities and horror movies. That's almost, it's not almost, that's a, a trope beyond tropes at this point.
1: Right, exactly. So the, well, we yeah, we should say the white woman survives. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, well, if you uh, if you have an explanation for this, we want to hear it. You can uh, tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can hang out with me at Josh M. Clark. Uh, and you can hang out with Chuck on Facebook at Charles W. Chuck Bryant. You can uh, hang out with Stuff You Should Know on Facebook at Facebook.com. stuff you should know. Send us an email to Stuff Podcast at uh, And I guess before we sign off, Chuck, we should say Happy Halloween, right?
0: Yeah, have a safe Halloween. Be careful out there. And uh, can't wait to do this again next year.
1: Yep. We'll see you out there on Halloween at our luxurious home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on
0: this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.